Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. we can talk about a win. It's been a couple weeks, but USC defeats Oregon State on the road, so we can talk about all of that with the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments, we do love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com. That's our email address. Or if you'd like to call or text, the number is 424-254-9141. Let's bring in the coach. We got him on the line. We're going to get his thoughts on this game. The Trojans, a little shakeup during the week. They get a win over a not a great team, obviously, at Oregon State, but needed to get back in the win column. This is a step in the right direction. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Ryan. Thank you. I'm doing great here on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we've had a chance to think about the game a little bit, and uh, I think I'm ready to go. And I hope all of our callers out there are ready to go too. We're ready to go. Uh, yeah, it's a little, it's it's a little different. Uh, we've talked about losses the last couple of weeks. Hey, the Trojans get a win, so we're going to jump into everything with that. Um, we want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. First, it's homecoming coming up. So, do you need tickets for USC versus Cal, a Cal team that's Pretty darn feisty. Now they beat Washington. They they took Washington State to the fourth quarter and lost by a score. But if you want to go to USC Cal, it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. You can go to SoCalTixTix.com or call them Southern California Tickets at 1-800-888-7287 and they will take care of you. Coach, I'm, this game, I'm really looking forward to the USC Cal game because for the first time in forever in the Coliseum. I am not going to be covering the game. This is my 25th reunion uh, of graduating from USC. I'm on the reunion committee, so I've been calling people, trying to get them to come to the reunion and all this stuff. And it's a little bit of a challenging year to try to get people <laughs> to do that just because of all the things that are going on. But I'm kind of excited, Coach. I'm not going to work. I'm just going to go have fun. I'm going to have some adult beverages before the game and just have a good time. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You really do. you got a good staff. They'll cover for you. Go back and see all your friends. Enjoy homecoming. You got a long day, so pace yourself, Ryan. It's another 7.30 game. It's Ooh. either 7 or 7.30. I really believe that USC leads the nation. If they lead them in anything, the nation, in anything, it's afternoon or eve- late afternoon or evening games. I don't know how many 7 or 7.30 p.m. games they've had, but it's ridiculous. The East Coast, they don't see the Trojans play until 10, 10.30 every weekend. Uh, I think it's... Uh, I don't think it's right for one university, and I know the affiliates get to pick their games, to have one university on so many times as far as in the evening. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of, and you know, I think the Arizona schools end up getting a bunch because they you don't want to have uh, day games early in Arizona because if you have like a September day game, it's like 120 degrees. Um, but yeah, this one could have been so it's unfortunate because it's homecoming. It could have been 12:30. It could have been I think two. Uh, 7.30, there was like a bunch of time slots, but it, we found out today it was a, it's going to be a 7.30 game. So, you know, for tailgating, that's not too bad. 
Um, there's you know you can complain about any kind of kickoff time, but it's another late game. Uh, obviously, the the Oregon State game was late too, but I'm just gonna go have a good time in this one. So. Uh, I'll, I'll look for your tweets at the end of every quarter coach and <laughs> just watch the game and okay. try to have some fun. So it should be, it should be good, but it should be a good, pretty good Cal team, but we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. We do, we have a bunch of questions as usual. Um, uh, one of our friends who I think, you know, pretty well called in at halftime, a little concerned. So I'm going to play you that voicemail first and get your thoughts, coach. Hello, Ryan, coach. I Don Autry here. It's halftime of the Oregon State-USC game, and USC's defense is playing true to form. They get a lead, and then they go night-night. What are those guys taking, sleeping pills? And please tell Mr. Langley he's playing so far off the receiver till he might as well be in another country. They definitely have a problem. I can see them being 4-5 and five after this game. They're pitiful. Well, Don, thank you for calling. An outstanding athlete himself and a great football player. Um, Don, uh, yeah, they sort of dissected the secondary of uh, USC. Uh, they they read the linebackers and the blitzes and where the linebackers were and threw a lot of uh, routes in front of the secondary. They just read to see where you lined up. And if you notice, most of the night they were all short passes and and uh, did a good job. I think he completed in the first pass. I can't remember, or the first half. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was a high percentage. I think six of nine third down conversions. And uh, they did a good job of moving the football uh, with the passing game. Now, at halftime, they couldn't run the football. It was minus nine yards. But they did throw the ball, and uh, they did beat the secondary. And there was a lot of breakdowns in the secondary as far as giving uh, big yards up and, and so on. But uh, uh, it was a win, and I think it was a, uh, you know, let's don't give too much praise for this win. A win's a win, and you take it all the time. Uh, you, you like to win, win anyway, even if you win ugly. But there's still a lot of things that need to be corrected and worked on as far as taking advantage of the Trojans' talent. And uh, I thought it was good they played on the road. Now, a lot of people say, Coach, why is that? Because they needed to get out of L.A., they needed to get away from all of the uh, rock and roll, the Hollywood scene, and get up there in an area where football's important, bond together, go out now with the coaching changes, and now also, you know, with the quarterback situation, with J.T. Stan, uh, Daniel starting again, bond and win a football game. They had to win a football game, but this race is unbelievable. Now, they'll need some help. Somebody's got to beat Arizona State, and somebody's got to beat Utah for them. But if they went out... Uh, you know, they're in a good shape still to win the Pac-12 South. It's amazing what's happening in the South as far as who's beating who. In Arizona State, they control their destiny. If they don't get beat, they'll win the Pac-12 South. So uh, there's a lot of football still to be played. So, uh, you know, I agree with you in the secondary. There's a lot of busted plays and coverages and and all of that going on. And they utilized and they threw that wheel route when nobody really knew who had the wheel route to the tight end there. And uh, you just can't have breakdowns in, in a game. But they were fortunate enough to be able to move the football and come back and win that game. And I think whenever you win, I have to agree. At halftime, I said, oh, my, here we go again. They can't finish. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I was just, oh, my gosh, Brian, I know you felt. But they did, and they pulled out a win. And, 
And it's good to travel home after you get a big victory and win, and they'll look forward to going to class tomorrow. Yeah, no, I think uh, they'll feel pretty good about it. There was a bunch, you know, a lot of changes, a coach that's gone, a coach that got demoted. So getting a win, uh, you could say on the road, but away from home, uh, I think it's nice to be able to do something like that. So I think that's important. So I, I know some people are poo-pooing it because of the opponent. I've had people on Twitter that were – they were mad at me because if I was critical at all, like they're winning, stop being critical. And then there's other people that are like, why are you praising them? This is a terrible opponent. So it's like, you can't really win. <laughs> but so I, you know, I guess that's good if people are complaining on both sides of it. Um, one of the things USC did really well though, coach, really well, 332 rushing yards, over 200 yards for Aka Cedric Ware, three touchdowns, over a hundred yards for Vivai Malapai. So, Really good rushing game from USC. Uh, George and Oxenard, though, texted in, and he wants to know, are you a fan of a rotating back system like we've used all season, or do you think having a primary feature back would help him and get the offensive line into a better, ryth better rhythm? Last night's rushing numbers were great, but in the rest of the games, not so much. Thanks, Coach, and fight on, uh, George. In Oxnard, I don't. I don't know if I'd be complaining about the rushing attack from last night, or, or what do you think, Coach? Well, you know, you have to evaluate what he's saying, and what he's saying is, I believe in. I think you have a, a number one uh, tailback or running back or whatever you want to call him, and they they're a unit, and they practice together, they play together, and they get the rhythm, and they learn to watch the way defenses react to them, and be able to corrected the next player the next time that play is called, but they know how they stopped it or how successful he was on the play before. Now, I'm not saying that they had Malapai in the great back and Carr looks like he got hurt somehow. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I'm not saying Ware didn't have a great game, but I'm a, a one-back guy. And, uh, and I can see the reason for Malapai on the goal line. And I think because he's a big back and powerful back and falls forward. I think he's really good there. I really do. And it was nice seeing them run a couple of dice with him on big plays where the, that he made the, the touchdown and a first down on. I love that. And an eye formation, quarterback under center, a couple of tight ends in there. I thought that was great to see some little bit of changes as far as having an idea in a down distance situation and what you do. But I like the one back situation. Uh, I think the more you carry the ball, the better feel you have, the better warmed up you get. And, and uh, I used to always say, don't look at me after you ran 40 yards. Look down the field for the next play. But you're supposed to be conditioned enough to run many, many plays in a row. So uh, they, I don't know how they substitute. I don't know if they do it on their own or they do it by the play or they do it by the down-distance situation or the running back coach sends them in. I don't know how they do it, okay? But somehow they have some format that they use, uh, and, of course, that's their choice how they do it. But I'm a one-back guy. I'm a one-back guy. He's my running back, and uh, we're going to get better and better with him as we go, and he's going to know and be a partner of the line, and they're going to get to know each other. Well, it kind of was a run-back system with mostly Akacentric Ware uh, doing it. You know, Stephen Carr ends up getting hurt, and uh, they had Vivai kind of, uh, you know, coming in and spelling uh, Akacentric Ware, but, you know, 200 yards. I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good day for him. He was my pick for breakout player of the year earlier in the season. He's had some really good games, and there's just some games when USC couldn't run the ball. So uh, props uh, to Aka Cedric Ware. He's a really great kid, and I'm really happy for his success. So nice that he could get a big run there. Uh, yeah, I know Oregon State's run defense is like one of the worst in the country, but you know, 
USC has been running the ball. You made some changes, so it's nice to at least get the get the ground game going. Um, well, I, I I agree with you. Now, let me just point out one oh, thing sure. too. Okay. He he makes that big run. I think it was fifty yards or forty five yards or whatever that touchdown run, the last one. And then he dances in the end zone. They have an unsportsmanlike conduct. Now I'm old school. Okay. That could have cost you the game. Look at the kickoff and where they got the football. He wouldn't have played again that game. I'd have told him, you want to dance? Go to the nightclub. I said, we're out here to play football. They're dancing too much. you got to have discipline and control. And, you know, it's nice to show off. Everybody saw the great run, okay? I saw the great one. It was a great play. But why ruin it at the end by getting a 15-yard penalty? I know I see it. Other teams doing it, too. But you can't tolerate that. The kids cannot run the program. And the only way you teach a lesson to the entire team, and I'm not just saying it's him. There's others. But you don't play when you dance. We're playing football, and now move on from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look at it again. But for what I was, it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But, um, you know, we see people, like, get sacks, and you celebrate more than that. But um, you know, no, I, I know it, what you're saying. I yeah. know what you're saying, and I agree. It wasn't, like, a, a great big one, Okay. But it was one, enough for an official to throw a flag. So I, I just i am not into that type of stuff. I guess I'm old school like Herm Edwards, and it seems as though he's doing a pretty good job up there right now. He's uh, doing a really good job. I've been uh, pretty pretty surprised, to be honest with that. Um, okay, we have a couple texts uh, about the same subjects. I'm going to read you both of them. Uh, this is from uh, Crystal and Marina Del Rey. Hey, Ryan and gang, I'm texting you in the middle of the fourth against uh, Oregon State. What's the deal with the snaps? Is there like a no snap September? Pretty good one, Kristen. Crystal. Um, this has been a problem all year. Toa, I'm not going to even try to text his last name, is a senior. Obviously, JT is a freshman. Is this a practice issue, personnel issue? Any insight you or the coach would have would be appreciated. And then we also had one from Clayton, class of 2011. Snapping the ball is plaguing this team in November. Who do you believe is making the decision to keep Toa at center? If it was Callaway's decision, do you think that Drevno will look to make a change? If if it's Clay Helton is keeping him there, is Clay just being stubborn? Who usually makes decisions like that, the offensive line coach or the head coach? And I'll, I'll give you a comment real quick. We've asked Clay Helton personally, you know, before. He said, Toa Lobendon's my, you know, he's our center. Uh, we asked him last night on, uh, I mean, there was he was asked that last night after the game. And just talked about things that they were going to work on. I know Toa did a story uh, interview with with Shotgun Spratling, and he talked about you know wanting to do, have a perfect snap day, and he was pretty good actually for a while. And then there was two really bad ones. So um, my guess is it's it's head it's the head coach Clay Helton's call, uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on all that, Coach. Well, you know we've talked about this for how many years? As far <laughs> as uh, uh, you know me, I, you've heard me, so it's not a first time thing. If you don't have a couple of games, it's not really uh, – you wonder what's happening. You expect it. And it just throws off the entire timing of the play, and it takes away the confidence of your quarterback having to worry about the snap. And the first thing a center's responsibility to do is get the ball to the quarterback, whether it's under center or back in his gun. You've got to make sure you do that, and then you do your assignment. Now, it's not an easy job to do as far as blocking somebody full speed and doing what you have to do and recognize the defenses, calling the defense and pointing to where the strong side is and all the different things. But you're there because someone thinks that you're capable of doing that. Now, you know, he's got to learn to do that or he's not going to be able to play at the next level. 
But the next level, you're going to demand it. You do a couple of those a couple of times, and you're not going to be around. Now, I think he's an outstanding guard. Don't get me wrong. Not that he couldn't play another position. Sometimes I think that's where he should be playing. We've talked about that before, too. But the number one responsibility of a center is you make your call so both sides of the line know what's going on, and your stamp has to be perfect to the quarterback. And then you need to execute and do what you need to do to get done. Now, he's the most experienced lineman. And he's uh, probably, uh, you know, he was an all Pac-12 preseason center in magazines. And uh, I don't know who else picks those things. So, you know, people think a lot of him, but he's got to make sure he gets that stuff done. And if it takes extra time on the field or live drills on him, which we've talked about and talked about and talked about, I'm getting tired of talking about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's something that just comes up quite a bit, Coach. Um my guess is it's not going to change. Uh, I think this is a Clay Helton thing. He's a senior. Sometimes you see that, you know, there's a, it's going to be a senior thing. Um, but it's a, it, it's a bit of a concern. I mean, you, if it's a close game, you're talking about a game against Cal who has a really good defense that Washington state at home only scored 19 points on this Cal defense. Um, one bad snap could change the whole outcome of the game. Uh, there was two in this one, and USC was lucky to jump on. You know, JT Daniels jumped on both of them, but it could be a real, it could be a real concern going forward. You know, with with what you think could be a close game against Cal, and then who knows against UCLA, and of course Notre Dame, a, a talented team like that, you can't have any. No, I agree with you. And again, you know, Clay Helton and the offensive line coach knows more than anybody else. Maybe they just don't have anybody else, or maybe they ought to take the glove off. I don't know if he still has the glove on or not. But sometimes you've got to do things to try to make it uh, a successful snap. And uh, I think uh, they probably would put him the guard, but they've got their guard. So they make a change in as far as who's the center. But I think right now, at this time of the season, it's too late. This time of the season, you're into your final three games of the year, and you've got to execute. And you've got other things, too, that you've got to correct, not just the snap, but the execution of your offensive line and team. So, uh, you know, that's just part of uh, the things I think that should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, you know, Brett Nealon can definitely handle it. He started the first game against UNLV, uh, like what he brings to the table. I think at this point, it's really just about him being a senior. It's not about he doesn't trust the guy behind him. I think that's a flaw, certainly, uh, that uh, of Clay Helton's, that you have to kind of just move forward. And I think you're doing Toa Lobodon a disservice. It's not disrespectful to have him sit down after a game, you know, a game like that. But I think it would help him like, Hey, you know, this is, if you can't snap, you're not going to play. We're going to put the other guy in and give him a chance. It's not, you don't have to Wally pip him and, and take him out for good, but at least you light a little bit of a fire under someone like that. It's like, it's not, there's no consequences when you're screwing up. You just, Oh, I screwed up. That sucks. And you just kind of move on. So, um, you know, Ryan, what it really is, it's concentration. Okay. It's focus. Uh, sometimes you, you're trying to play the game so good and so hard, you forget the fundamentals of the most important thing. He's a competitor. And uh, sometimes you just lose your focus, and he doesn't snap the ball like that on purpose. It just didn't have the right grip on it, or it didn't come out of his hand properly and so on, and he's just got to concentrate on making that the number one priority. That's all. Yeah. He's a great football player. Just let it happen. And it's a natural thing, so he has to spend more time in focusing on what the first thing he's supposed to do. We had uh, a couple questions about how different the offense looked, right, Coach? I mean, obviously, this is a, you know, the you, you moved Tim Drevno over to coach the offensive line. Not that you can do a whole lot in one week. 
but Clay Helton calling the plays now. So I'll read you these two and just kind of get your thoughts in general. So first, Nick in Cyprus says, uh, what's the difference in the game plan slash play call from last week to this week? Was it that Oregon State is garbage or was there a, a better job being done on the field? And then Eric in Duck Country says, what differences do you see between the offense under T. Martin versus the offense under Clay Helton? Thanks, as always, Eric in Duck Country. Well, you know, I thought early in the game, and I'll be, uh, I really felt good about the rhythm of the team as far as the way the team ran the football and the way they moved the ball and the play action pass, the way they moved down the field. Would they have an 86 yard drive and an 81 yard drive? I really was happy with that. I really said, nah, hey, they got a rhythm. They're starting to get an identity and so on. Yet, you know, JT still is in the pocket, guys, not a running type of quarterback. And, and I knew they didn't have that with JT playing there, but everybody understands that. So and then they sort of got away from that a little bit and and uh, didn't move the ball like they should have. And uh, they uh, the defense sort of, I'm not saying let up, but Oregon State started executing and made a run at them. And they sort of got away from what they were doing. And they, again, had a touchdown pass that was dropped. And you got to make big plays. You can't drop big plays on touchdown plays like that. Perfectly thrown ball. Just... That happens. That just happens, but you can't have it happen. You can't let it happen, but you don't have that many opportunities to, t- to take that type of play and go. I liked him going deep a couple of times on early downs on a third and two or no, on a second and two, he went deep. Uh, that's a good down to go deep on, but you still have a third down play to come back and get that first down. Uh, I think that there's times too that, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, I liked, uh, where now they had an idea on short yardage, at least an idea of how they lined up in double tight with an eye and gave the ball to Malapi eye and ran that play with the back and, and a pistol type of a uh, double tight with the uh, tailback out in the flat and they hit him out there for first down. At least they had an idea. And of course, uh, Oregon state really hadn't seen that. So they were really prepared for that. But at least they had an idea of what they want to do on short yardage. And I thought it was a good change, and I think it was uh, uh, warranted. And I think that uh, Clay Helton now should have more control. And one thing I liked the best as far as the sideline control, I'd never seen the offense sit on the sideline like it did in a big horseshoe with Tim sitting there with them all, talking to him about the different types of things and the adjustments that need to go on. And I think he's in a perfect position to do that because he's coaching the running backs and also the offensive line. So they can communicate on what they're seeing and what they're doing and who they're supposed to block in certain defenses and all of that. So I saw a lot of changes that way. And I thought it was positive. Okay. I'm not saying they're there where they're supposed to be. There are a long ways. And I'll tell you that, you know, don't get me wrong. Oregon state, a win is a win, but they aren't the best team. They're the last place team in the North. Okay. But it's good to go and get a W and execute. And it was a perfect place to be. Like I said, when you make these changes and you go out of town and you regroup and get things going and come back with a W, but I'm going to tell you, they're going to have a tough game this week against Cal unless Cal sort of folds, but I don't think they will. It was it's terrible the way they lost. I don't know how many people saw that, but Washington that state bad. has, it's, it's their year. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really their year. They find a way to win all those close games. They find a way to win. Yeah, they definitely do. And uh, we'll talk about Cal later on this week. Um, do some previews and all that kind of stuff, but uh, that's a it's a really good defense. It's not that great of an offense, so that it should be an interesting matchup. Uh, but you talked about you know the opponent. Uh, Keith in New Jersey wrote in. He said, even with playing an opponent that is absolutely dreadful, it's nice to get a win. Pretty sad, I know. 
I was wondering what grade you would give Clay Helton for his play calling. Put aside the results of each play, if possible, and just think about the situational play selections. I must admit, I'm a huge Akacentric Ware fan, and I was thrilled to see him get this opportunity last night. On another note, watching the first half of Alabama versus LSU and then watching uh, Oregon State versus USC was like watching an NFL game and then a subpar high school game. The speed and tackling fundamentals in the SEC are a tad superior to our Pac-12, to put it lightly. Thanks, as always, guys. Fight on, Keith in New Jersey. Well, Keith in New Jersey is a completely different setting. When you see 102,000 people uh, down there in Louisiana getting ready for a football game against Alabama, it's a whole setting. Everybody's excited about it all over the football world to watch this football game. The players are excited. The crowd's excited. And the setting is completely different than to go to Corvallis where they have 35,000 people. But uh, it's not the crowd. It's what you do on the field. And uh, they are a very physical group of people down there in the Southeastern Conference. And football's real important to them. Not that it's not important to the Trojan fans and everybody out here but they uh, are a little bit of a different breed of cats and coaches and, and how they get things done. And uh, they do hit harder. Yes, they are more physical. Yes, it is. It looks like it is more important to them. All of the above, and that's why they win the national championship almost every year, unless Clemson can beat them, because they put a, a, an importance on it. And uh, I think that that just is obvious. I, I don't think there's anything to say this, that isn't obvious. And, and as you mentioned, a win is a win at, at, uh, up at Oregon State, and I agree with that. And it's a and it's an accomplishment whenever you get a W. But man, I'm gonna tell you, you better get the the game plan together because I think not next year they open with Fresno State next year, but I think the following year they open up against Alabama again in Arlington, and you're gonna face what you just saw the other day. It isn't gonna change. Nick Saban's program. It's not going to change. It's going to be one of the best coach programs in America. They're going to have the best players in America, and they're going to execute and do what they do better than anybody in America. That's why they are who they are. And if you're going to compete with them, then you're going to have to be the same type of program. Care as much about uh, your program and your football program. Make it as important as Alabama makes their program. Emphasize it with the student body and with the regents and everybody, and make it happen. But uh, right now, I don't know if it's in that same type of competitive or importance that it might be down there. Yeah, I agree with you there. They just look like they're playing a different game. Sometimes. <laughs> um, we got a question from Paul in Bakersfield. Can you ask Coach to explain the simple process of keeping the ball uh, on the two or three, he says on TH, on two or three inside reads, uh, it seems that JT Daniels could help himself if the threat of the keep uh, was there. Okay, so if so uh, during those uh, zone read concepts, like having JT Daniels actually keep it every a couple of times is what he's saying. Uh, it will keep the ends from crashing down, and you will see the the open holes that we see when fears uh, fears <laughs> Fink and Sears are in the game. Paul and Bakersfield. No, you're right, but they don't do that. They don't. They don't read it. It's a call play. They they don't read it at all. In fact, he doesn't even carry out the fake. It couldn't be a read. If he was to carry out the fake, you might even think that he might carry the ball. If you watch him, he just hands the ball off. He doesn't hardly move at all. So, why would you even be concerned about uh, the quarterback keep? 
You've got to complete the whole series. When you're going to run the football or run that series, you run read, you put it in there, and the quarterback continues out and keeps it, the people from collapsing to the inside, like you said. Or on the backside, if he runs opposite, the quarterback continues out so that you hold the backside because they're not sure if you're going to hold the ball or run the ball or whatever. But they don't emphasize that. You've heard me talk about this. That's why the offense does not fit JT Daniels. They've got to change that offense and make it a different type of offense. It's a more He would be more better of a two-back set. I said he looked more comfortable. Uh, and, and forget the tight end, but they don't use a tight end. I mean, if you want to talk about a grade, I mean, do they have a tight end on the team? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I don't think they threw a pass at a tight end last night. In the middle of the field is wide open, okay? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to dwell on that, but we'll move on. But that had nothing to do with the question. But, no, they don't run read it. It's just a call play. And uh, he doesn't even carry his fakes out. No. Um, we have. We just have a couple more for you, Coach. Here's a, a voicemail. It's a little bit long, but... Uh, he's very concerned about the defense. So I want to play it for you and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, Coach, Dan, Keely, Shotgun, you guys do an awesome job. This is Jeff, uh, class of 1994. I need you guys to help me with a serious concern I have, which is our defense and the future of our defense and how Clancy Pendergast is running our players and the future of our defense into the ground, specifically a lack of substitutions. I mean, our backups get no play time, they get no experience, they barely even practice. So, you know, when we play next year or the year after, they're just not ready. They have no experience, they have no game time, they get no practice. I mean, Clancy's just so short-sighted. Like, he could care less about player development and, more importantly, player safety. I mean, Cam Smith, Marvell Tell tonight, they're coming off injuries. Like, they missed last week's game. And they played every single play tonight. They they played their hearts out. And in late in the fourth quarter, we're up by three scores, and they're still in playing. Like, you came out of there. EA needs the experience. He's a future middle linebacker next season. Like, this is the opportunity to get him some playing time. And they didn't. And it's just... It's just so heartbreaking. It, it hurts me to see that. Like they don't take care of their players. Their players get. We're wondering why our players are getting injured. Well, this is exactly why. They don't practice during the week. They show up the game. And the coaches are like, we want you to run 100 miles an hour through a brick wall for us and play every single play, and they get injured. I mean, look at Porter Gustin. Porter Gustin came off an injury. They played him every single play in that game, and he got injured with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's just, it's terrible, guys. Still traditional, fight on. Hopefully we can fix this and, and get our defense moving forward. Thanks, guys. Well, you know, uh, they have some type of rotation. I, I believe that they do do. Uh, Cameron comes back and plays, I would think, almost every play. He made a couple of great plays in the game, and and uh, he ran down that receiver uh, when he was breaking into the open. I didn't know Cameron could run that fast. I have to take my hat off. He really did run him down when they had that broken uh, uh, pass with the slot and the flat and a split receiver over the middle, and they had a busted uh, coverage. But he did run him down. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you try to keep your best players on the field when you can, and you ask them to go 100%. And if they get tired, then you substitute them. I and mean, you've got to be able to have a feeling of knowing that it's and you let your players know it's not embarrassing to come off the field to get rest. 
not embarrassing if you're a little bit tired and you can't go as hard as what you should be going and you can't rest on a play. And a player has to be able to know that too, that, you know, it's best for me to take a break two plays to get rejuvenated so I can come back in and do what I need to do. And if you have that understanding with your coaches or your coaches on the sideline, you can look over there and tell them, you know, I need a break. And you can do that. And the guy coming in, even if he's not as good, can make it up because he's rested and can play harder than the guy that's maybe a better player or experienced player because he's ready to go. And after two plays, uh, that player can go back in the game or three plays or whatever is necessary uh, to pick up the pace and continue going, plus get some experience. Now, as far as USC's roster is concerned, I'm still saying it's the deepest roster in the conference. I mean, they walk on guys that are starting at Arizona State, starting freshman linebacker from Jay Sarah. USC walked uh, walked away from last year, and he's starting at Arizona State. The free safety from Long Beach Poly that they walked away from, he's starting at Arizona State as a safety and picked off a big pass against Utah. So they obviously, I hope, have the best players. and They're selecting the right players. they got to put their players in a position where they get better and the backups get better to do, and the backups can go in the game and spell spell a starter. And they've got to be able to know that if they're trying to work on one corner and they're working him over, it's not bad to make a change there or switch sides or do something different. But let the guy come out and let the coach talk to him a little bit and build up his confidence again as they work on that one quarter continuously during the game. So, you know, you've got to be able to be able to know your, know your players and the players have got to know you that if they come out, it's not because they're being punished it's because you expect them to play hard every single down. And if you get tired, don't be afraid to come out because I expect you to play full speed every single play, rest a couple of plays and go back in there. So that's what I used to do. It isn't something that is embarrassing if you can't give me 100%, okay? But I know you'll get back in there and give me that 100%, and players know what 100% is. You can't rest on a play. No, it's uh, – I, I think giving a, a guy a breather is totally fine, um, and we just haven't – we haven't seen a lot of that, and I think it's a lot of a trust. We saw a little bit more of that early uh, in the season than it kind of uh, – no, there's definitely been some injuries. Um, but we just haven't seen a whole lot of it uh, going forward. All right, we got one last question for you, Coach. Now, this is referencing something that um, you know I can't really we can't really read here, but uh, this is from Jack. He said, "If you've not done so, please check out the website practicelikepros.com." Now, I haven't checked it out. I don't know what it is, but he said it will help you explain the shift and how football practice is managed in regards to contact. It's utilized by Pete Carroll and Urban Meyer. So when everyone complains that there's not enough contact in practice, and that's why Ohio State put a licking on USC, maybe it's really how smart you are in practice and not just how hard you hit. Yes, football is a collision sport, but Dartmouth, I know it's an Ivy League school, has had the best defense and the fewest injuries in the Ivy League over the past few years. Sometimes it's better to work smarter than harder. I don't know what goes on at USC football practice, but it sounds like Coach Helton Maybe on board with this, but maybe it's not being properly instituted. Uh, we will be instituting these policies for high school football in New Jersey starting this summer, as well as tracing concussion rates. I would love to hear from Coach Hyde on this issue. Jack, uh, it's from he's from New Jersey. 
No, I don't know uh, what they what they do. I, I don't know what their practice uh, system is or philosophy is. But all I know is the kids like to play football. Okay, uh, and in fact, at USC last week, last Tuesday, the team asked Coach Helton to go out in full pads, but normally they don't in the month of November. They know that uh, they're missing tackles in the open field. They know it's tough to block a guy that's going full speed when we haven't practiced against that all week or pass block someone that is coming full speed and making moves when we haven't practiced that all week in a team type of group. So I think you've got to do these type of drills. You've heard me talk about that. You just cannot be off a week and then go pick it up and be at the play at the same speed. I've never believed that. I don't think you can. If you remember, Pete Carroll used to call it Competition Tuesday, and it was. They had the depth to, to do that. Now, USC's in a position to do that. You've got to be able to continue to play at that pace, and the players know it. that's what it's going to be about. That's how it is. Now, you might lose someone occasionally. You hope that never happens. But if you do lose one person, how many times have you heard me say this? If you lose one, 85 other guys got better, okay? because of the practice and what you're accomplishing and trying to do. Competition. Play against competition. You get better during the week of practice than you do in the game. If, if you've got better players than the other team, and supposedly you do at USC, the defense should be better than the defense you're playing against. Well, if you practice against ones against ones occasionally, and you're going to get better. Or ones against twos, you're going to get better, but you're doing it four days a week or three days a week. And then you do it again on Saturday. You only do that once a week. You just can't play or have, what, 10 days a year that you go full speed during the season or eight or whatever. And that's on a Saturday or a Friday night game. You got to do it more during the week so your players gain confidence in what their game plan is and what they have and make the adjustments and stay in shape and they settle up and make, miss, make tackles. Again, this week, a lot of missed tackles, and that's just because you don't tackle. You don't settle up. Same on pass rushes. The guy dodges you and get out, gets out of a lot of those things, but you're not used to reacting to that or containing or like the quarterback keep they ran again. I don't know what's happening on the defensive side of the football, but to me, it doesn't look like anybody has the assignment for the quarterback keep. Does it? Just doesn't look like it, especially on the bootleg part when the back goes away. Now, if it if someone does have that assignment, cer- someone certainly isn't doing his assignment because every time they ran it, and they ran it last week uh, against Arizona State, you, or they did it, that you think you're corrected. But uh, they did it again uh, at Oregon State. So I don't know what they're doing, uh, but I know that you have to practice at a full speed level. And to let you all know, concussions, yeah, everybody's aware of concussions, okay? And it's really important that we are careful with kids today. But if you wear the proper equipment and you practice properly and you keep teaching the proper techniques, you're going to be okay. There's a chance someone's going to get hurt in anything they do, even soccer, by hitting the ball with your head. There's more more concussions in women's soccer than there is football, okay? Studies have showed that. Maybe not as severe as football, but they're more concussions. So you've got to be able to control it, do it right. But if you're going to play the game of football, there are more gain that comes out of the game of football of discipline, teamwork, 
execution, winning, accomplishing your goals, all the things that you remember the remainder of your life, friendships that come for a great come, that come from a great team sport. So I think there's a lot of pl- uh, pluses. I'm monitor. I was a moderator at passing a quarterback club this past Friday, and I had Chris Ricks representing one of the players. We call it inside college football. We set out honestly with Brandon Hancock. We went back and forth with the difference in programs at the Pete Carroll and Bobby Bowden. Went back and forth on why they went to each school and why Chris went to Florida State, started four years at Florida State, won three ACC titles. You know how many times Brandon went to the Rose Bowl three times, all the rings they did with Pete Carroll. We went back and forth talking about college football. And both of these individuals said they wouldn't know where they'd be today without football. Wow. Their whole life is discipline. Both of them said that. And, uh, and, and it was a great, great program. But people forget the pluses of the game and what you get out of the game as far as the competition of the game and the discipline of the game and the things you get. And, yes, concussions are something that we don't want. But all the pluses that you get in competition and competing and teamwork and believing in each other and experiences all comes from being a part of a team. And uh, these are and, and football is under attack right now. The numbers are going down more and more every year in high school participation because of people being a fear of the fear of concussions. And I am too. But uh, I would never tell my grandson he could or he couldn't play football. That would be his decision. Yeah. So uh, that's the way I feel. And, and I, Brian, I know I went on that too long. No, that's okay. That's good. Uh, that was our last one. We had uh, Jerry wrote in. He's a longtime Trojan fan from 1978, uh, graduated in 78, uh, talking about like Clay Helton not willing to make changes. But I think he sent this in actually right before um, Clay Helton made a bunch of changes. So he did make some changes, Jerry. So at least there was uh, something that went on. We'll see. I'm sure there's going to be more changes to come. We just don't know what they are. Lots of speculation and stuff. But um, coach, yeah, that's uh, it was good. I think not as many questions as we normally get. I mean, it was a you know, 17-point win. Uh, it wasn't a great opponent. It's a team that, you know, Oregon State won a really good game on the road uh, last week against Colorado. So you knew they could be a little feisty. They were a little feisty for a while. It was a seven-point game. Uh, but, you know, after that, USC didn't give up any more points. They put some points up and kind of did what you're supposed to do, run the ball against a bad defense. And uh, sort of like, I, I think it was, someone tweeted me, Coach, and this is a good thing, like, Hey, that was a physical practice. <laughs> and and it really kind of was. It was like that was a physical practice that USC got to have. And you hope something like that will help you prepare for Cal, which is gonna be a real tough defense. With UCLA, we don't know. It's just that's a I mean, that's just so up in the air. And then uh obviously Notre Dame is going to be tough. But for making some changes to go on the road, to get a you know, convincing win, I, I think overall USC fans should be pretty happy uh with what what transpired there? Well, you always have to be happy with the win. And uh, there's some changes that went on as far as JT coming back and coach Helton taking over the offensive part of the football program. And of course, you know, those things in the new offensive line coach. And I saw some progress with the offensive line. There's still a lot of things that uh, he's got to work on, obviously, uh, but uh, takes time. You can't make up everything in, in four days. Okay. You just can't do it. So you got to do the best you can, get through this season, salvage what you can, play hard. Got to play hard, and I think USC always plays hard. 
It's just putting them in a position where they can be successful and and uh, execute. Remember, it's not the number of plays. How many times do I tell you this, Ryan? It's not the number of plays you run. It's the way you run them and how you execute them. And uh, I think that's what's important and how you execute them against what, what defense and how you defense a certain offense. That you give assignments and those people are responsible for those assignments and when they're not carried out, then you make a change and you find out why. Either it's too difficult and they can't recognize it and they can't execute it or the guy's not smart enough to do it, okay? So you got to figure out what it is and you got to make those changes too. All right, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website harveyhide.com for all the ramblings, musings of the coach. Lots of information up there for you if you're a fan of the coach and what he's preaching out here for the USC football team and for all the fans out there. But coach, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. Looking forward to it every week. Only three games left, which is crazy, you know, until postseason stuff. But thanks again, coach. We appreciate it. Hey, Ryan, thank you very much. And for all of you out there, uh, accept that W, okay? Yeah. Everybody's trying to win. Remember that. Everybody is trying to win. And remember, when the Trojans go anywhere, that's their bowl game, okay? It's going to be Cal's bowl game this week. So uh, just get ready to go. Enjoy homecoming there, Ryan. And uh, uh, so I'm a little jealous you're taking a week off. Yeah, I'm going to go go enjoy the game. Tailgate and all that kind of fun stuff. We'll see. Cal uh, hasn't beat USC in like 15 years, I think it was. Something like that. I'll check it out this week. But it's like a decade and a half, basically. So... Uh, we will see if uh, Justin Wilcox, who was fired by Clay Helton, <laughs> Clay Helton took over as head coach, the permanent head coach, uh, before the Holiday Bowl. So maybe a little bad blood there. We will see. But um, USC Cal will be next week, 7.30 p.m. at the Coliseum. That's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.